Good evening. Uh, we're going to tag team this tonight, and so Linda is going to come and share with you guys uh, what God's put on her heart. You guys, have, I don't think any of you have heard her speak before. Well, you're in for a treat, okay? Uh, she can do it. I, I do want you to know that our emotions are erratic. What I mean by that is we cry at the things that we should laugh at and we laugh at the things we should cry at. So if you're confused when we're done, why were you cried then? <laughs> Just let it pass, okay? And give us a break. <laughs> All right? Because... Just the littlest thing will send us off, okay? Like three grandchildren singing. Which we rejoice in. Which we celebrate. Because God's in charge. So we're going to tell you all about this journey. Uh, Linda, bail me out, girl. tell you what, the music has just ministered to me already. Thank you, girls. Um, you'll find out why it has ministered to me as I talk, okay? Is this too hot? Is it okay? Okay. On June 2nd, 2022, our three Texas grandsons, Waylon Grant, Carson Blake, and Hudson Taylor, along with their paternal grandfather, Mark Collins, and their paternal cousin, Bryson Collins, were murdered at their ranch in Centerville, Texas. We had just been in Texas uh, two days prior the week prior, uh, for gra Wayland's graduation. And we left on Tuesday morning, and they were murdered on Thursday morning. I have grieved, and I've cried many, many tears, yet never once have I doubted the presence of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has stayed close to me, every single moment through the suffering. Isaiah 41.10 says, and you all know this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. And God has used that verse in my life for several years now, it's been one that I've held on to. And all through the songs tonight, it kept coming up. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you for that because it just encourages me. 
Two weeks ago, I received a text from my sister Brenda, who is married to Glenn Collins, who is Mark's brother. And they had been in with um, Beth and Keith Moore the night before with some other people. And at dinner, Beth told them that uh, she had had a message from God for all of us, the Collinses, the Duncans, and the Taylors, and all the families. And so um, the next morning, she texted Brenda and said, be sure to give this message to them. And this is the message. Tell them it is a fact that God filled that house with his very glory and holiness and inconceivable beauty and affection and gathered up his children, all five of them, in his everlasting arms, that it was a holy of holies and no amount of evil can ever mar the holiness of God. And I tell you what, that has ministered to my heart so much because I don't look in my mind's eye at that house anymore and see evil. I see God there with my people. And I am so grateful that I have that picture and I have that assurance that they are with him. John eleven twenty five through 26 says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. I believe with every fiber of my being that God has been preparing my heart for this for several years. And I stand here this evening on the truths of God's word. And he is making these truths more and more real to me through this tragedy. One of them is, trust me. I have a, a sign up on the wall in the room where I have my quiet time, and it says, trust in God. And the words just have kept coming to me over and over again. Trust me. Trust me. Um, even through this last year, we had a Bible study with one of our uh, community groups, and we did the book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by Louis Giglio on Psalm 23. And that, the truths in that book have stood out to me during this time. And I'm not going to let the enemy sit at my table with my Lord Jesus and try to tell me that he got the upper hand because he did not and he will not. And I can know that my Lord Jesus is going to carry us through this. Five years ago, I was out walking in my neighborhood, and I was praying, and God brought a tune to my heart, and I couldn't quite get it at first, and then a few of the words began to come to me, and I couldn't wait to get home and Google it just to see what that said. And it's, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. The first verse says, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. 
And then the last lines of the last verse says, Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. And this 8th century Irish hymn expresses the ageless need of man to have a heavenly vision and to experience God's care and personal presence throughout this earthly pilgrimage. This is not our home. We are headed there. And some of the words that the author uh, ascribed to God were vision, Lord, best thought, wisdom, word, great father, high king, inheritance, treasure, son, ruler, and heart. Jonathan Swift once said, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. And again, the words came to me, trust me. Hebrews 12.2 says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. And so that's what I am really asking God to help me do, is to run that race with his purpose in mind. And I believe with all my heart that through this tragedy, God has a purpose. And one of the sermons that Paul preached several years ago, several times, the gist of it was God's protection is the servant, servant of his purposes. And so I have to believe in my heart. I have to believe that God is using what Satan intended for evil to bring himself glory and use this tragedy to reach many, many people for Jesus Christ. And I know for a fact that at the funeral, after the family had left and the pallbearers, that the pastors gave a third invitation. And I know for a fact that 30 people came down at that moment. And there have been many others since then. And I, my prayer is that that won't be end that it will go on and on and on, and that God will be the victor in all this. So thank you for praying. We have felt your prayers so very, very much. Your cards, your gifts, everything has just been precious to us. And we have, I, I just can't tell you how many people all over the world, really, that we have had contact with, and people way back in our early ministry and it's just unbelievable. But we are being supported, but our strength is in the Lord. Thank you so much. <clears throat> well, you probably don't need to hear from me at this time. Uh, I, I just want to say a few things before I speak. Uh, number one is Linda and I do not know what happened. Okay, we have purposely chosen not to read it, not to hear it, or not to let anyone tell us. I don't even know the name of the person who murdered my grandchildren. 
And I'll tell you why. I don't want to fight bitterness. I don't want to fight anger. And I don't want to think about him one second. Okay? So if you know the details, please don't ask us about them. Because we don't. And we will not. Because that's not healthy for us. I hope, I wished I would be stronger, but I, uh, I just don't want to take a chance to have a root of bitterness. Because, like I said, like Linda said, God's protection is always the servant of his purpose. God saved Jonah's life in the midst of rebellion because he had a purpose for Jonah to go to Nineveh. God allowed Stephen to die by stones because his work was done. You know, the, the value of a life is not determined by its length. It's determined by its impact. And those boys had impact. So, we know where they are. We have not lost them. They've just taken a journey that one day we will take. You know, I always, I'm trying to get some things down. I was, I was going to send, I was going to give to my grandchildren what I, see, I'm the one that's supposed to go next. I'm 75 years old. Uh, so I was just leaving them some words of encouragement, you know, how much I loved them and stuff. And Not that I think I'm going to die tomorrow, please, but, uh, but I found one. I was staying, we were staying in Wayland's room after the event while we were waiting for a funeral and so forth, and I found a letter I'd written him. He'd saved it. I read it. It was true. And so, and then I baptized Hudson two days before. So, God was gracious. God's working. The most frequent promise in the Bible is, and this is going to just dovetail with Lynn, I will be with you. Before Adam and Eve ever sinned or needed forgiveness, they were promised God's presence. He would walk with them in the cool of the day. The promise came to Enoch who walked with God. It was made to Noah and to Abraham and to Sarah and to Jacob and to Joseph and to Moses and David, Amos and Mary and Paul. Too many others to count. As a matter of fact, the angel said you should call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus left his his promise was to send the Spirit so that God would be with us always, even to the end of the age. 
God is closer than we think. Uh, if you read the book of Job, you will read an incredible story, but it kind of comes down to chapter 42 where Job says this, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Then Job says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. And there's what Job says. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. One of the things God is teaching me through this event is how close God is and how I took it for granted. You know, you get so busy serving him and preparing messages and trying to share the gospel that pretty soon you can be living your life not realizing that you need him every hour. And so one of the things God has taught me is that I need him every hour. You see, who knows to what extent any of us are capable in our current spiritual condition to experience the presence of God. But what I am praying is that God will teach me how to live in his presence because it is our source of life. Brother Lawrence wrote, the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons at every moment without limiting the conversation in any way. I have found that to be true in the last five weeks. God is close to us. For centuries now, people have stood in line to view the picture of God and Adam on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. But what if the miracle that is hinted at on that fresco became a reality in our lives? What if an artist greater than Michelangelo was at work on the canvas of our ordinary days? God alone is capable of making himself known as he really is. And that's what I'm asking him to do through this tragedy in my life. I want God to paint himself deep into my soul. I want God to be my ever-present help that I realize that I need him every hour. Whatever your age or season of life or temperament or job, these are no obstacles at all. All you have to do is lift a finger. God is closer than you think.
And what I've learned is I need him. Sometimes you get a little uh, arrogant. And you work and people tell you thank you and you maybe might begin to think that you are greater than you are and more important than you are. And God has helped me make a sane estimate of myself and realize that without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I couldn't even be here right now. And that's one of the things I learned to be reminded of because it's important. Because when somebody comes to speak to you, you want them to come fresh from the presence of God with a message from God to your heart, not to your head. So God's teaching me that I need to practice the presence of God. It's what I'm learning more than I ever have. And uh, that's great. This is kind of disjointed, but another truth that God taught us is this. There is no difference between loving friends and loving family. Here's what I mean. When this happened, of course, our son Zach came and our daughter Stephanie and their mates. But also I looked up in my front yard and there was Chris and Robin. Their presence was as precious as our son's. Because they're family. Because we're in the family of God. And there is no difference. We learned from the text from family, Christian family or Christian friends. We needed both and both are precious. We, we just realized that not only is Zach and Christine and Stephanie and Tony and their kids uh, family, but you are too. Relish that, because there may be a day when you need all of them. We know that. Second thing we, or third thing I'm learning is God's arms are disguised in the arms of family and friends. How did God hug us the night this happened? How did we feel him hold us? It was through the arms of family and friends. And without exception, you know what they said to me? I don't have it. It's, I'm shocked. I don't have any words. Well, I really didn't need your words. What I needed were your arms. And believe you me, I am not a hugger. <laughs> I don't like to hug anybody. You keep your hugs to yourself. But boy, that night, I needed them. I cherished them. And from that day forward, there's difference in a hug and a hug. And I needed a hug. And uh, those are God's arms. Texts we received are, were words from God. And uh, the gifts we received were gifts from God. How does God minister to people who are facing tragedy? It's through friends and family. 
they are his arms. We are his body. And that's precious. And you can't ever take it for granted because of the fact that we need them, folks. We need them. You see, uh, it's funny. We were, I played music on the way to church because the music at our church is too modern, so I worship before I get there. Okay? One of the things about it, when you're, when you're grieving, you can claim grief and say whatever you want to. What you've been wanting to say for years. And I'm not saying anything about your service. I haven't been here in a long time. <laughs> but, you know, what came on the first, one of the first songs goes, I need thee every hour. Well, uh, about four songs later, because it's on my thumbprint thing, and it just songs I've saved, and I need thee every hour. And so I thought, well, God, you're trying to teach me something, that I need you every hour, and how God helps me is through Christian friends and family. And I'm grateful. Forever will be grateful. Uh, and then the next one is something you know I'm going to remind you of. It's very important. We left the boys on a Tuesday. We talked about coming back to watch football, coming back to watch golf, coming back to see Wayland's new room at college. And we assumed that we would see them the rest of our lives. I am so glad we said goodbye well, because that was our last goodbye. And we did. That's a gift from God. There was no anger. There was no problems. We'll see you. We love you. Uh, that's how it was, because we really thought that. We've done it. I don't know how many times Paul we left and come back and they were there. Don't take that for granted. Remember, today's the only day we're promised. And it's the one we have. And when you, oh, we were with Bill Blankenship last night and he was talking about all his grandkids. They all went to Destin, Florida. And how, how wonderful it was. And my, my heart said this to them. Don't take that for granted. You cherish those. You celebrate them because they're gifts. And then one last thing in number six, twenty-four through twenty-six says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Attention is one of the most powerful forces in the world. Along with food and water, a baby needs the attentive gaze of a human face. 
A baby lies in the crib and smiles. The face smiles back. The baby realizes that someone is watching, is responding. That what the baby does counts. The baby's joy or anger or sorrow is reflected in the face of another. Psychologists speak of this as attunement. The baby realizes it's possible to be somehow connected or in tune with another human being. This face becomes the mirror through which the child learns it is a source of delight or disappointment. A child simply cannot survive without the face. The face is what tells the baby that it matters. One of the great miracles of life is that God pays attention to us. This is partly why the writers of Scripture speak so often of God's face. This is the hope of the great priestly blessing that God himself taught the people of Israel. To turn your face towards someone is to give that person your wholehearted, undivided attention. It's not the casual listening of a preoccupied mind. It's a statement. I have nothing else to do. Nowhere I'd rather be, but I'm fully devoted to you. This is the kind of attention God has lavished on Linda and I and our family. The blessing says that God will not only turn his face toward us, he will make it shine on us. The shining face is an image of delight. It's the face of a proud parent beaming when a child plays in front of her first piano recital. For all pastors, it is the radiant face of a bride as she walks the aisle to her groom. And Every pastor in here or anyone who's ever done a wedding can see that face on that bride. We can turn our face towards someone with very little effort, but our face shines and beam and grow radiant only in the presence of those we love most deeply. And this, says the prayer, is how God loves us. God pays attention to us. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So what both Linda and I have learned is the preciousness of the presence of God, the preciousness of friends and family, and the preciousness of having God turn his face to shine on us. And those are priceless gifts. Now I want to end practically. How do we want you to respond to us now when we come back next time, if I'm ever invited back after my music comment? <laughs> what, what do you think... How do we want you to respond in the future? We want to be normal. We have a new normal. 
we just want to be normal. We want you to treat us just like you would if this hadn't happened. Because what's changed is we are falling more deeply in love with Jesus Christ because we have basked in his presence and his face has shined upon us. We trust him because he knows he has our best interest at heart. So just treat us like Paul and Linda. That's who we are. And we, we, we don't want to cause sadness to walk into the room because we do. We want joy because our boys are in heaven. And our mind is towards heaven. So we're just be us. That's all we can be, right? And uh, you ask us how we're doing. We are grieving in the loving, loving arms of God with hope. Because we trust and love him. And so you'll say something. We may cry a little. Have a few tears. Don't worry about it. I cry at McDonald's commercials. <laughs> at my age. So don't worry about it. Don't feel awkward. If you can't. Because we just want to be us. We just want to laugh again. Now do you mind if I bring your report on Misty? Misty is the mother. She's the one who called me and said, I've lost all my babies. A daughter should never have to say that to her daddy. That's not what God wanted when he created this. And so she's doing just like we are. She's grieving in the arms of a loving God. And uh, she loves and trusts him. But, uh, you know, when we were calling her, and at first, she was, there were so many people around and picking out three caskets and three funeral plots and services and writing obituaries. It's just so busy, you, you don't even have time to think about it. But then, there were so many people around, she would, uh, she was okay. But as people started to leave and as it set in that she would never see those boys again, she got somber. Am I correct, Linda? She got real somber. She uh, just would sit there and stare into space. And we got very concerned about her. But recently, when we called her, she laughed. You never know how precious a laugh of a daughter is when for weeks she couldn't. She laughed and we thought, Whew, that's good. That's a good thing. Well, she's coming up next weekend and so we'll get to love on her and then we're going to with her on a trip. And so 
She's doing better. And you heard her husband at the funeral, those of you who watched it. God spoke to him the night and told him that his boys were with him. Did you hear that story? So you didn't hear it? Well, he went out in the backyard when the Texas Rangers were investigating, looking for the boys. Well, of course, they found them in the house, and that's what we know. But before they called him and said it was definite, he went out in his backyard, and he prayed, Lord, tell me my boys are safe. And God said to him, your boys are with me. They are safe. And he said at the funeral, that's not what he wanted to hear. But that's what he heard. And those boys are safe. And uh, they are with him. And we cherish that. So God is so faithful in preparing hearts. So I would answer any questions. Because we just want to be us from now on. Okay? And we have great moments, and then we cry a little, and then we have, you know, joy. But I'll tell you one thing. We have never doubted for one second the presence and love of God. We are here because of him. Well, uh, you may not know this, but Paul gives me his message every day. He gives me a printout of his message. I want this one for sure. So, uh, and, and you know, I'm not mad about that music comment because uh, we just learned that from you guys after that uh, horse and rider thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> I still don't understand what that was about. Uh, that's a long story, and I don't, you don't want to hear that. But, uh, you know, um, wow, thank you. Um, we, we heard something very important tonight. Um, I'm a couple that trusts Jesus. Um, can, can we learn something when someone faces grief? Um, when I've often walked with people and when they walk into a room after a massive tragedy, a lot of times people go, oh, oh, are you okay? And that's really not, let, let's, let's let them be normal. Let, let's not let our first reaction to those that have faced tragedy be like, oh, you know, because um, that's, that's a great lesson from our friends about let's allow them to just be normal. That is a phenomenal 
lesson for us as we walk with people that have gone through tough things like this. Paul and Linda, I, I wanted to do something for you, and I didn't know what. Um, and so we have something for you. Um, we've made something for you, and, and it's just a simple little wooden thing that just has be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And and you know what? I, we bought something for you, and it's and it and it reminds me of what God has been teaching me in First Peter. Twice in First Peter, in chapter one and in chapter four. There's a moment in First Peter where he talks about the living hope in chapter one. And, and you have to suffer trials, all kinds of trials. Uh, and, and then it, it mentions this, that, that these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In chapter 4, we looked at it today, these, the suffering that we face. We'll be overjoyed when Christ is revealed. And today, we can't, we don't know that. So I bought you a plant that doesn't look that pretty right now. Just, you're going to have to water it. It's gonna have to, you're going to have to work on it. But, but there's a picture right there of what, that's, what that will look like. And, and I know I'm, this is a weird gift. I, I didn't know what to do. It's the best I, I mean, I thought this is perfect. And so as you watch that grow, as hopefully someday there's flowers coming from that thing, um, there's instructions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I gave you a job. Um, but, but you know my prayer for you as I got that and, is that when you see flowers on it, um, that the Lord would somehow use it to say one day we're going to see the full picture of how God revealed himself. We love you. And... Um, I, uh, I want us to pray over you. And um, I know how you've been a mentor to me, and I'm going to put my wife on the spot and have her voice a prayer, and then I'm going to voice one. I know, uh, because like you said, your wife's voice was, you're right, we didn't really need to hear from you after Linda, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm glad we did. And I want Robin to pray, and then I'm going to pray, and and I'm just going to ask you to stand right here. Would you come? And then, and then James and you guys, why don't you all come around him? And then we're just going to stand and pray over them and be, be done. Margaret, why don't you all come and just gather around. And let's stand. Robin, you voice it and then I'm, I just did. Oh.
dear Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you. The fact that you are so present with us. You are so near. We rejoice that you are so near to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. You are so faithful. And we lift up our dear friends, Paul and Linda. We lift up Misty and her husband, Chris. We lift up all of the loving family members that are connected. And we ask you, Lord, to wrap your loving arms around them. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to comfort, help, and strengthen all of them. We ask you to remind them every hour, every minute of the truths that they know in their hearts that your promises are real and can be trusted. And you're so kind, Lord, to have already spoken things, even in a whisper, as Linda shared. Just trust me, trust me. You're so kind. And she knows, looking back, how you were already giving her those words when she would need them. And we pray that in the, the moments of tears that you would just, as Psalms say, you'll just collect those tears in your bottle. Each one is precious in your sight, and you care. And in moments that there are joyful moments where they can laugh again, we pray that you would just let them see how uh, your joy is so much more than just a happy happenstance. It is a deep, deep well, a fountain in our heart that you put there. And it is connected to you, Lord, the Holy Spirit. All of these things, we pray, and all of the, the hearts in this room are joined with such loving tenderness for our friends. We ask you in Jesus' name to carry them, strengthen them, uphold them, and um, to walk with them every moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we love you. We trust you. Thank you for this moment that we've had together. I pray for this uh, time with Chris and Misty next week that you're, you would move. And Lord, it would be a blessed time. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for our church. In Jesus' name, amen.